All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Carter Thompson, your host, as always. I appreciate you listening in here. I know we are a month in between episodes here, but man, I had a crazy August, so I appreciate your patience in waiting for this next episode. And this is going to be a good one. This one is going to be a lot of fun because the NFL is two days away. Well, actually, by the time you're probably listening to this, it is will be one day away. I'm recording this late Tuesday night. You'll be probably listening to it Wednesday, and the NFL will be one day away. We'll get ready for the season on this episode right now. This is going to be all NFL-focused. We're going to start with the, the biggest storylines, QB battles that have been resolved as the NFL, like I said, will be one day away by the time you hear this. Those have been resolved. We'll get into those a little bit to start here. Week one matchups, record predictions, season predictions, in terms of who I think will make the playoffs, season awards, MVP, defensive play. We'll get to all that, and we'll get to a Super Bowl pick as well, all in this episode. I'm very excited, so thanks for listening. It'll be one day away by the time you listen to this. I don't think you'll be listening to this tonight still. I mean, by the time it's released, I even released this thing, it'll probably be the next day it'll probably be midnight on the on the west coast here so it'll be it'll be tomorrow one day away let's go ahead and get started with the biggest storylines in QB battles one that just got released this week Mitchell Trubisky has been named the starting quarterback for the Steelers to begin this season Pittsburgh Steelers are going with Mitchell Trubisky over Kenny Pickett to start this year Is this the right move for the Steelers? In my personal opinion, I think this is the right move for the Pittsburgh Steelers. One, Mitchell Trubisky is probably actually going to be a little bit of an upgrade over Ben Roethlisberger. And to be honest, Kenny Pickett probably was going to be too with Ben Roethlisberger at the end of his career last year, just not having the arm strength, not having the mobility to be able to do much. And still, Pittsburgh was a playoff team just a year ago. But the reason I think that the Steelers should have gone with Mitchell Trubisky, which they are doing, instead of Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett wasn't some Trevor Lawrence, some Andrew Luck, some guy that's just coming out and absolutely needs to start right away. Kenny Pickett can now sit, learn the NFL for a year. And the other reason, too, which I'm okay with for rookie quarterbacks, by the way, I mean, if Patrick Mahomes can sit for a season, any quarterback can sit for one season and then start in his sophomore year in the NFL. So I'm totally okay with rookie quarterbacks start not starting right away. But the main reason that I'm okay with Kenny Pickett not starting right away is because this Steelers offensive line is very disturbing if you're a starting quarterback in the NFL. You don't want to be behind this starting offensive line from the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was one of the worst in the league last year when they were trying to protect Ben Roethlisberger. They didn't get any better because they spent a lot of their early draft capital, one on Kenny Pickett, and then two in the second round on George Pickens. So your first two picks this year are great offensive weapons that you'll hopefully have for years to come in Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. But now your offensive line is is the same as last year. Not any better, which, which isn't great. And I don't want Kenny Pickett behind something like that where then all of a sudden he's rushed in the pocket all year, so much pressure up in his face. Maybe he loses some fundamentals. Maybe he picks up some bad habits because he's always on the run. Not something you want your rookie quarterback to do in his first season, just picking up a lot of these bad habits. Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, we saw him in Chicago, already had some of those bad habits. Hopefully, 
able to unlearn some of those, being the backup in Buffalo, I believe, for two years. Now he gets a chance to be a starting quarterback in Pittsburgh. He starts in Pittsburgh. Maybe he gets a chance to start on another team that needs a bridge quarterback. This is what it looks this is what I think Mitchell Trubisky's career path is going to be for the rest of his NFL career. Maybe a bridge quarterback turn into maybe a Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of deal where he goes from team to team that needs a starting quarterback or has a rookie quarterback that's not quite ready yet. Mitchell Trubisky has a chance as the starting quarterback of the Steelers this year to prove, yeah, I can win you. I can get you near 500 or something like that for a season while you let a quarterback groom and get ready in the process. So that's why I think the Steelers made the right choice here in Mitchell Trubisky. He'll be behind that horrid offensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of concerns around the NFL for the Steelers' offensive line. I don't want Kenny Pickett, at least to start the season, to be behind that. Maybe middle of the season, you know, Pittsburgh needs some energy or or Mitchell Trubisky gets hurt. Or Kenny Pickett just starts to perform better even in practice, and you're like, all right, this guy is ready to start. He'll at least have watched a couple of weeks and see how he can game plan personally himself on how he will be able to protect himself with this Steelers' poor offensive line. He'll have some nice weapons, of course, if he eventually gets in with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Najee Harris, guys like that. But again, this offensive line is very bad, and I would be concerned putting a starting rookie quarterback in right away, and then just it could just be detrimental to his development early in his NFL career. This is what I think happens with the New York Jets all the time. A lot of these teams that are always constantly drafting new quarterbacks that are just cycling through them year in and year out, it's because they can't protect these guys. And then these guys just lose all their fundamentals, lose everything they've been taught that's good, and they develop these bad habits, and then they're out of the league very quickly. I don't want, I, I mean, I talked about this a couple of times. I don't want the ha- that to happen with Trevor Lawrence. That's why I was a proponent of the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting an offensive lineman number one overall. They ended up signing an offensive lineman in free agency, a really good offensive guard in Brandon Sheriff. But still, you can't have too good of an offensive line in front of your young quarterback, in front of any quarterback, let's be honest, right? So I like the Steelers here going with Mitchell Trubisky over Kenny Pickett with the state of their offensive line. And like I said, this is an upgrade for the Steelers either way if they would have went with Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky at starting quarterback over Big Ben. This is still a really talented defense. Don't forget, they have the reigning defensive player of the year in TJ Watt. They've got Minka Fitzpatrick back there. they got Cameron Hayward on the front lines as well. Always a talented, very deep group. For the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Tomlin at the helm. Mike Tomlin, also a coach that's never had a losing season. Now, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm saying this could still, I mean, because the AFC, every team got better. doesn't matter if the Steelers got better as well. Some of these teams got exponentially better, like the Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, teams like that. But this can still be a better team than last year, even if they have a worse record. I don't think, I mean, I still think Mike Tomlin, like I said, has never had a losing season. I still think they can go 9-8 and eight and still miss the playoffs possibly in the AFC, but still a winning season and in a better team, but maybe not making the playoffs. I think this is an upgrade for them no matter which way they went, but I'm glad they went with Mitchell Trubisky instead of Kenny Pickett. So we'll see. I believe it's Steelers-Bengals week one this Sunday. 
So we'll see how Mitchell Trubisky does with his second chance at a starting position in the NFL. Another starting quarterback that's been named, this one was a couple of weeks ago now, Baker Mayfield, named the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Remember, he got traded from the Browns earlier this offseason, and wow, how lucky are we to just get the Browns versus Panthers week one matchup. I mean, just a gift from the football gods right there to get that one. I mean, that one was just a throwaway when they were making the schedule. They're like, all right, well, we need a some low-key, let's just give them Browns versus Panthers week one. And here, now we get Baker Mayfield versus old team that just cast him away. We'll talk more about this matchup a little bit later in this episode, but expectations for Baker is they need to at least be competitive in the NFC. The NFC is nowhere near as deep as the AFC. In the AFC, you could probably name 10 or 11, maybe even 12 teams that could make the playoffs in the AFC. At least 10. In the NFC, you can name maybe, I mean, you can you can name 10, but realistically, there's only like five or six that are worthy of making the playoffs. So Baker Mayfield is an upgrade at quarterback for them. I think they should be in contention for a playoff spot. I don't know if they'll get there, but Baker Mayfield now with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I mean, they just traded for LaVisca Chenault from the Jaguars. I mean, of course, Christian McCaffrey, then that defense hopefully improves a little bit. They should at least be in contention for a playoff spot with Baker Mayfield. That should be the expectations. I mean, Baker took, Baker was the leader of the Cleveland Browns when they made the playoffs two years ago and they won a playoff game. I think Baker Mayfield can do that in Carolina. Of course, it'll help if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy. But if the Panthers do, I'm not saying I'm picking them, but if they do make the playoffs, I think it saves Matt Rule's job. And if they don't make the playoffs, I don't think there's anything that can be done to save the Panthers head coach Matt Rule's job. But Baker has a chance to save his job, at least for another year if they make the playoffs. And I think they'll be competitive. I mean, the NFC South isn't one of the better divisions. It's got the Buccaneers who are probably going to win it. But then it's between the, the Saints and the Panthers for that number two spot in that division with the Falcons. I don't think the Falcons are going to be competing in that one. But... Baker Mayfield officially QB1 for the Carolina Panthers, and I my expectations for him are to keep that team competitive and possibly in Week 17, Week 16, Week 18 still be in contention for maybe one of the final playoff spots in the NFC. And then I believe our last quarterback battle of the offseason was in Seattle between Geno Smith and Drew Locke. That goes to Geno Smith. He wins the starting job. For the Seattle Seahawks, he won it right after preseason week three. Drew Locke threw like three picks in the final preseason game. Also missed preseason week two with COVID. So that just handed it to Geno Smith. He'll be the one to face former franchise quarterback Russell Wilson week one. I mean, we get Baker Mayfield versus his former team in the Cleveland Browns week one, Panthers-Browns. Then we also get Russell Wilson returning to Seattle week one on Monday Night Football. Just perfect. This is why the NFL, we can't wait for it to return one day, like I said. But Geno Smith will be on the opposite side of Russell Wilson. Speaking of Russell Wilson, he just signed a new extension with the Denver Broncos for five years, $245 million with $165 million guaranteed, runs through the 2028 season. I believe this is the second highest guaranteed money behind Deshaun Watson, of course, but 
Russell Wilson is 33 years old. Was this, this was, I think, a little bit of a risky move for the Broncos. They haven't seen Russell Wilson play, and he's coming off the absolute worst season of his career as a pro. Down numbers, a a kind of severe injury on his throwing hand. We'll see if, I mean, the, the reason that it, that you can be less skeptical about these big deals for a guy like Russell Wilson and some quarterbacks these days. These quarterbacks are playing to 40. Russ, or I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing until he's 40 years old. Tom Brady, of course, is playing at the age of 45 right now. So, that, I mean, this will go until Russell Wilson is 39, which, I mean, then, then you see how it goes from there. But you'll get six years, five or six years of Russell Wilson, hopefully at a high level. You know this guy works hard in the offseason. It's a little bit risky, like I said, because he's coming off of his worst career year as a pro. But, I mean, you're expecting a bounce back, hopefully, from Russell Wilson. If not, well, then something else has gone wrong for Russell Wilson. But I think this makes some sense for the Broncos. Some risk, but with quarterbacks playing now till 40 years old. I mean, Matt Ryan is going to be the starting quarterback for the Colts this year, and I believe he's 37 or 38 years old. You've got... These quarterbacks are playing a long time now in the NFL. I mean, just think, we're going to get Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. I mean, a lot of these, Trevor Lawrence, we're going to have these guys for 15-plus years in the NFL still. It's awesome. I love it. So Russell Wilson signs a new five-year extension to stay with the Denver Broncos. What this deal also entails, what does it mean for Lamar Jackson next contract? We talk about this. We talk. We bring up Lamar Jackson every time some new quarterback gets a a contract because this is so important and interesting to me. Lamar Jackson is going into the last year of his rookie deal. That does not happen for quarterbacks of Lamar Jackson's stature and caliber. This is just mind-boggling to me. And it's I don't know if it's him asking for so much, which of course he can. He's a former MVP. He's won a playoff game. Lamar Jackson deserves whatever is coming his way that the the Baltimore Ravens are going to pay him. But, I mean, he's about to go into this season. He said once the season starts, the contract talk stops. He doesn't want that on his mind. I mean, I think Lamar Jackson is looking for a deal, obviously, north to be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, and he probably wants something with that close to fully guaranteed money like what Deshaun Watson got. Deshaun Watson, I mean, I don't know how that guy gets the first fully guaranteed deal in NFL history, basically, on a, on a deal like that. But Lamar Jackson, of course, is looking at something like that. These deals with Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, some of these other deals where we're seeing now that the fully guaranteed was only specific to Deshaun Watson. It hasn't happened for anyone else. We'll see if that means Lamar Jackson now has to back off looking for a fully guaranteed deal. But if he goes into this year without a contract next season, obviously this talk will still be brought up. He will be franchise tagged, no question about it, by the Baltimore Ravens. They're not just going to let Lamar Jackson walk. And then this, we'll see if, I mean, if if he has another MVP-like season when he's fully healthy this year, which I expect he'll be in the top five, maybe even the top three of the MVP discussion. I mean, his number is just going to continue to climb. So maybe that's what he's doing if he's trying to, like, bet on himself because last year he's coming off of an injury. We'll see. I think this will pay off for Lamar Jackson no matter what. I think he's going to get a monster deal. But, I mean, Russell Wilson... Upped it on Kyler Murray a little bit. Kyler Murray upped it on 
I mean, was it Aaron Rodgers? I mean, all these deals with the guaranteed money, Lamar's is going to be huge. And then after Lamar, it's going to be Justin Herbert. And then after Justin Herbert, it's going to be Joe Burrow. I forgot to mention him too before, but I mean, these contracts are just going to keep growing. And maybe that's what Lamar's waiting for. He doesn't want to sign his. And then Justin Herbert, the (laughs) couple weeks later, signs a bigger one than that. We'll see how this all pays off. Russell Wilson gets his new deal in Denver. Lamar Jackson should be up next for this major deal, but it might not happen before this season. We might have to wait for the offseason. Jimmy Garoppolo, last thing on quarterbacks here on on news to catch up on, he's staying in San Francisco with the 49ers, taking a huge pay cut. He's going to be the backup to Trey Lance. I think we talked about this in an earlier episode. Kyle Shanahan said maybe a month ago, maybe plus now, maybe over two months ago now at this point, Trey Lance is their starting quarterback, no question. They were expecting to trade Jimmy Garoppolo at some point. But if you remember, Jimmy Garoppolo had shoulder surgery maybe back in March or something like that. So he had to take time off. Then he started to ramp up his throwing. No team was willing to pay. He had like a $27 million guaranteed contract that no one was really willing to pay. So he takes a huge pay cut to now be the highest paid backup in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers. This is interesting to me. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is not on purpose, not due to his fault, but he's basically going to be breathing down Trey Lance's neck for this season, I think. It's great for the 49ers organization. I don't know how great it is for Trey Lance and maybe his development this year. This is a great situation for the 49ers. You have a starting quarterback as your backup, the highest paid backup, which is fine. You're willing to have that, especially with Trey Lance and a little bit of the unknown that you have in him. But this puts a lot of pressure on Trey Lance because the 49ers fans, especially if Trey Lance has a maybe a three, four week stretch where he struggles a little bit, doesn't have the accuracy, does just has poor games, maybe has some turnover issues, maybe they lose three in a row, maybe they go one in four in a five game stretch. You know, this is still a very talented team, but we're not sure what we're seeing in Trey Lance yet. And he'll have Jimmy G just breathing down his neck, and then the 49ers fans could be starting to chant, Jimmy G. Can we get this guy back in here? We know what we can get in Jimmy G. We know he's a winning quarterback. He's taken us to a Super Bowl. So the 49ers, of course, love it. They have one of the they have a starting quarterback. They have the top backup quarterback in the NFL. And that's nice to have when you have Trey Lance, who you think is going to be a really good player, a dual threat quarterback, which Kyle Shanahan is going to enjoy having. But what if he struggles? There's going to be a lot of pressure to put Jimmy G back in. And I think once you, if you have to replace Trey Lance and it's not due to injury, that could spell a lot of bad for the San Francisco 49ers. So that'll be really interesting to watch this season. How Trey Lance does, because it's going to be under a microscope now that Jimmy G is still there, now that they actually still have a backup plan. I mean, obviously, the microscope was under Jimmy G last year. They made it to the playoffs. They made it to the NFC Championship game. Just a season ago, Jimmy G led them to the NFC Championship game. Now, Trey Lance was just handed the starting job because they thought Jimmy G was going to get traded. He's not traded. He's still there, but Trey Lance still has the job. It's going to be very interesting to watch all season long. Trey Lance is going to be under a very big microscope for the entire season. And then lastly, of course, we'll get to the new Deshaun Watson suspension at the end of this episode. 
I'm sure you've already seen it. I'm, of course, very disappointed in how that all went out about. But we'll talk about it just a little bit later in the episode. We're keeping it positive, though, as we get to some big week one matchups to get the season started. None better, none bigger even, than opening night Thursday, tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this, Thursday, the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams hosting this year's Super Bowl favorite, the Buffalo Bills, which is very interesting. I don't know what the Bills, why they are the Super Bowl favorites. I mean, the Los Angeles Rams maybe lost a couple of key guys, but they brought in some more key guys as well. But the Bills are going to SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles on Thursday for the home opener of the defending champion Los Angeles Rams. You got Josh Allen, who's the MVP favorite this year, and Stephon Diggs versus Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup, who's the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, Sean McVay versus Sean McDermott. You got two top defenses. Aaron Donald, of course, can wreck games. Of course, he's back this year as well. I mean, if Josh Allen can continue to get better, which he's done year after year, Can he do that again this year, take it a step up, be the MVP this year? He is the favorite. Can he get that done this year? One thing that's been a little concerning for me on the Los Angeles Rams side, Matthew Stafford has had a little bit of an elbow injury in the preseason, in this offseason. He has said, and Sean McVay has said, there is no limitations. He said he feels good. He even was a little lost for words. He just said, you know what, I feel great. No limitations. If he needs to throw it 50 times, he's ready to throw it 50 times. That's great. My question is, is this something that's going to pop up later in the season? That's my only concern for the Rams. Otherwise, they are one of, of course, the Super Bowl favorites to return and defend their title this year. Los Angeles Rams, very strong. They lost Von Miller. Oh, here's another huge storyline. Von Miller leaves the Los Angeles Rams this offseason. And, of course, he goes to the Buffalo Bills, who they're playing week one. We get all of these so-called, let's put quotes around revenge, games in week one with Baker, with Russell Wilson, and now Von Miller, even though, I mean, Von Miller's just a Bronco through and through, but still, I mean, he won a Super Bowl ring with the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, you got Von Miller with Buffalo, but the Los Angeles Rams also recouped and reloaded this offseason, signing Allen Robinson to replace Robert Woods. So now it's Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, where it was maybe the last six games of the season, it was Cooper Cup and OBJ. But now you had a whole offseason with Allen Robinson and Matt Stafford, so their offense could be even better next year. You got Bobby Wagner on the defensive side that they added, not to replace Von Miller, but just another big-name future Hall of Famer. Now on that defensive side with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. Now you add Bobby Wagner. Bills are looking for some guys to step up. Gabriel Davis is going to be a new hot name that you're going to hear all the time in highlights this year. If he can ball out, you saw what he did in the final divisional matchup against the Chiefs last year. Four touchdowns in a divisional game that went to overtime. Remember, it was like 42-36. Gabe Davis had 200 yards and four touchdowns. It was unreal. Another thing, too, are we looking at a potential Super Bowl preview here right away in Week 1? Honestly, this is one of the, I think, betting favorites for a Super Bowl matchup right here between the Bills and Rams, and why shouldn't it be? you got the defending Super Bowl champs, you got a team on the rise as long as they can get back past the Chiefs this year, who they just have struggled against. We'll see. And then, like I said, Von Miller, now a part of the Buffalo Bills after winning the Super Bowl with the Rams. 
I think he will help elevate this defense and be a closer on this team. I was talking with, or I was in a, at NFL Network, I was in a meeting and, and Willie McGinnis is explaining what Von Miller and what he brings to teams. And this dude is an absolute closer. And he's talking about what Von Miller does each play at the beginning of the games to set up the offensive line. And then when it comes down to it in the second half, late in games, how he's got the offensive lineman just guessing on what he's going to be able to do. And then boom, that's when Von Miller gets his sacks. That's when his impact is at an all-time high. So I started to go look through Von Miller's sacks all of last year. I'm not kidding when I say 75% of Von Miller's sacks were in the second half. It's unbelievable what this guy does in the second half, and this is why Von Miller is considered a closer. doesn't matter if some of these plays in the first half has zero impact. He is planning and setting up for the second half when it matters the most. In the close games, on big third downs, Von Miller is going to be the closer then for this Bills defense. And I think that can, I mean, maybe against a Patrick Mahomes, you know? Patrick Mahomes has a third and 15, and he makes these crazy plays to Travis Kelsey. Now with Von Miller, maybe he can shut that down. Maybe he can be the guy that gets to Patrick Mahomes, forces the incompletion, converts the sack, and just shuts it down and can take the Bills past the Chiefs finally or anybody that they meet in the playoffs. That's what I like about Von Miller. I mean, he was not washed up. I mean, I don't know. I think he had at least maybe three sacks in the postseason was postseason with the Rams this past year. Could have been more, but I think it was around three. And that's just in the postseason. He had some down the regular season stretch as well. He's not washed up. Von Miller is going to be a closer for the Bills on the defensive side, which is what they need. Josh Allen can go toe-to-toe with anybody. We saw that. He can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, who I think is at the top of the quarterback hierarchy. Him and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Josh Allen can go toe-to-toe with those guys and score as many points. He can score more points. Now he just needs his defense to close it out for him on the other side. I don't know how much this hurts the Rams' defense in terms of losing Von Miller. You bring in Bobby Wagner, but they lost some other guys too. On I mean, Sebastian Joseph Day, a big man in the middle. Aaron Donald is going to be getting even more double teams, something that he's used to, but now he's going to be getting a lot more with a big loss of Sebastian Joseph Day. They also lost Darius Williams, a cornerback on the outside opposite of Jalen Ramsey, who was a really good player. You add on the fact that Von Miller, even though they added Bobby Wagner, this Rams defense may have taken a step step back, even though I think their offense is going to be taking a step forward. Adding Allen Robinson, getting a running back like Cam Akers back and healthy. Their defense might have suffered a little bit this offseason, so it'll be really fun. I don't like personally, and I'm not I don't like their chances of repeating as Super Bowl champs. It's possible they can get back to the Super Bowl, but there hasn't been a back to back Super Bowl champion. Since 2003-2004, I believe, are the years when it was the New England Patriots. And that's no slight to the Los Angeles Rams this year. I mean, there's been teams, I mean, the Seahawks, I mean, the Patriots again with Tom Brady, even in 07 and 08 or anything like that. I mean, the Broncos when they had Peyton Manning, the Packers when Aaron Rodgers was dominating for a couple years there, 2010 to 2011, 12, 14. It is so hard to win a Super Bowl, even one. I think we take that for granted. I've said this many times. 
we take for granted how difficult it is to win a Super Bowl just because Tom Brady has seven. Tom Brady is an outlier of outliers. That is not normal. Patrick Mahomes wins his first. All of a sudden, the talk is, oh, boy, can he get six? Can he tie Tom Brady? I'm like, whoa. Like, hold on. We just won his first. We did this when, with Aaron Rodgers, too, when he won his first after, like, his third year starting in the league. No way. Six is not should not be the new standard of what you need to get to be considered an all-time great. To be considered, I mean, Tom Brady is considered the greatest of all time right now in football, and that's not to be questioned. But that doesn't mean somebody now needs to get seven to pass him, you know? Joe Montana's was four. That was wow. But, I mean, two is incredible. Peyton Manning is a top-five quarterback of all time, and he has two. And one of them, he was carried to the finish line by his defense in Denver. So that's what all this I'm saying. That's why I don't like the Rams' chances of repeating as Super Bowl chance because it's so hard. Like I said, it could be Matthew Stafford's elbow this year. It could be Aaron Donald gets the first freak injury of his career. We've already seen it with Patrick Mahomes. The next year, his offensive line was bad. The year after that, it was an overtime loss to the Bengals on a bad interception. You know, it's just one play sometimes. I mean, same thing for Aaron Rodgers. We don't talk about 2014. There's a reason. We thought that was an easy year. Not easy. But we thought that was a year that was a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? That's why it's, it's so hard to win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady has made us almost forget that. It's like, oh, well, it's... He's got seven. If you don't have three, you're a bum. If you don't have four Super Bowls, what are you even doing? No, no, no. That's not the case. All right? That's why I, I, I am hesitant on the Rams repeating as Super Bowl champs. It hasn't been done in so long, since 2003, 2004. And then probably before that, was it the Broncos, 1997, 1998, that repeated? Probably. Yeah. All right. But that's why I, I have the Rams not repeating as, as Super Bowl champs this year, but definitely could still be in the hunt to get back to the Super Bowl, no question, with how good this team is. I also have the Rams winning in Week 1. I mean, Buffalo's got to travel all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast for this game. And, I mean, the Rams are going to be coming off of a high. They're going to be raising that Super Bowl banner, going to be getting Super Bowl rings, all of this, and then they're going to want to start off on the right note. Oh man, but they have a they have a brutal schedule the Los Angeles Rams do this year. So they're going to try and start the season off right. Trying to shut down this whole why are you the Super Bowl favorite Bills when we are the defending champion Rams. So I like the Rams in this week 1 matchup. That starts tomorrow, Thursday. Let's get to some other big matchups in week 1 as well. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dallas Cowboys, that's the Sunday night game. Both of these teams coming into this one major concerns Along their offensive line, Buccaneers already lost two starters to injury to start the season, starting center Ryan Jensen. He's probably going to be missing a, a couple of games, maybe half more than half the season as well. That's a big concern with your 45-year-old quarterback and Tom Brady as well. They also might not have their second-best wide receiver in Chris Godwin to start this game. He'll be back probably week two, three, four range, but still might not be ready for this game against the Cowboys. Cowboys, on the other hand, just lost their starting left tackle, Tyrone Smith, again. Probably out until at least December. This is a huge loss. They don't have a lot of depth at this position anymore. They just had to sign 40-year-old 
legendary offensive tackle Jason Peters. And he's going to start the year on the practice squad and then work his way up to getting into game shape to be able to play for them. But now they might have to start with their first-round pick, Tyler Smith, who's kind of a raw prospect coming out of college. I mean, both of these teams have offensive line concerns. The box one is, is very concerning to me because at least Dak Prescott is mobile. He can escape the pocket if he needs to with his line breaking down. Tom Brady's not as mobile as he used to be. And then both of them have some have some offensive weapon issues or question marks. Cowboys, of course, don't have Amari Cooper because he got traded. Michael Gallup with an injury. They lost Lyle Collins, another offensive lineman, in free agency. And, I mean, and, and you got the declining Zeke Elliott as well. You can't just hand it off to the workhorse Zeke Elliott anymore. We're on the other side. The Buccaneers are going to be probably missing Chris Godwin for this game. I mean, you got newcomer Julio Jones and Russell Gage. But Tom Brady also, if you can, I don't know how this wasn't a bigger story at the time. He took a two-week leave of absence from the team in the middle of the preseason. Should that be a concern, long-term concern, and something to watch if Brady's not, I mean, his words, he has a lot of shit going on in his life outside of football, as we all do, he said. But should this be something to watch? I'm not worried about Brady's commitment to the game, but maybe he's he is a little bit distracted with his home life. That could be something that takes his focus off for just a second. And I, and you know Tom Brady's the ultimate competitor. You know he'll be ready. But this is something he did retire in the offseason for 40 days. Maybe he is having issues at home. I don't want to put words into Tom Brady's mouth, of course. But if that is something that has happened and has changed in his life where he's having some problems, that could affect how this season goes for them. I like the Cowboys in this one. It's home in Dallas, but this is going to be close. This is this is me picking the Cowboys barely. I don't like the Cowboys team all this season, and I think that they are going to be able to take advantage of the Buccaneers right out of the gate here with no Chris Godwin. If Chris Godwin was playing, I would take the I would take the Buccaneers, but I think the Cowboys defense can also be not as good as last year. They're not going to be able to replicate the turnovers that they did a season ago, but I think they can be very good. Micah Parsons is going to be one of the front runners for Defensive Player of the Year, and he might be able to get after Tom Brady with this banged-up offensive line. Tom Brady's not going to be able to get away from Micah Parsons, so I like the Cowboys winning this Week 1 matchup here. Another big one, AFC West matchup starting Week 1. We're going to be hearing about AFC West all season, so when we get to Weeks 2, 3, and 4, and you hear me say, hey, Here's a big game this week. It's an AFC West matchup. Well, this is why. I mean, this one is the Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. We're going to get Derek Carr and Devontae Adams for the first time in the NFL. Their first time together since Fresno State. Can these two pick up right where they left off with the chemistry in college and become one of the top maybe three, maybe top five QB wide receiver duos in the NFL? This is gonna. We didn't see them in the preseason at all. All we've seen is some like practice footage. But now we're going to get to see them in a game against the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll see if J.C. Jackson, I mean the Chargers, they got to be ready to take that next step with all these new pieces. But we'll see if Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, if they'll be facing the likes of J.C. Jackson, who's had a little bit of an injury to start this preseason, who the Chargers added at corner. Derwin James, star safety for the Chargers. He just got paid as well. So we'll see. This is going to be fascinating. This is... New coach Josh McDaniels won't really get a honeymoon year as a rookie coach for them. He's not a rookie coach. This is his second stint as a head coach in the league, so it's time for him to win right now. 
especially with this talented of a team with Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, and then on the defense, you got the pass rushing duel of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. This is going to be time, time for the Chargers right now, and we'll see if they can do it. I'm sorry, for the Raiders. Also, it's time to go for the Chargers for them to take the next step of making the playoffs. But I think with a team of this caliber, with this much talent that they added, they added Khalil Mack, they added J.C. Jackson, they got Sebastian Joseph Day on their team, stole him over from the Rams. They got a couple of other starters. They might be having like six new contributors on that defensive side of the ball this year. They they have the number one interception guy for the past three seasons in J.C. Jackson. I think it's time for them not only to take a step of making the playoffs, but it's time for them to make a leap, not just a step. It needs to be a playoff run for this Chargers team, for Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley. Are they up for the task with all these new reinforcements? They got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. They got them ready to go on the offense. They have a nice offensive line, Corey Lindsley, Rashawn Slater. They drafted Zion Johnson, another offensive lineman, in the first round. It's time for the Chargers to not just take a step and make the playoffs and, oh, what a successful year. They need to make, they need to win a playoff game. The AFC is loaded, but the Chargers should be one of the teams near the top. Who I think win this one? I think it's the Chargers. The Raiders have a very bad offensive line. We were talking about the Steelers earlier. Raiders' offensive line is, is also just as bad. And when you got Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, like I said, Sebastian Joseph Day on the other side of the ball, then you got Derwin James, who they're gonna you know, they're gonna scheme him up with some sacks or with some with some pressure opportunities as well. The Raiders offensive line is that bad that it's very concerning where Devontae Adams, sure, he can get open against anybody, but it takes a little bit of time for Devontae Adams to make these kinds of moves. He's not the fastest wide receiver. He's not going to burn by him like Tyreek Hill. He's very skilled with his footwork, with his route running, and that takes just a little bit of time, and I'm not sure if Derek Carr is going to have that much time with how bad this offensive line is. And the Chargers, like I said, they have one of the top pass-rushing duos in Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, might open up Joey Bosa a little bit more with Khalil Mack there. So I like the Chargers defense to be able to slow down this Raiders offense where I don't like the Raiders offense. Or I'm sorry, I don't like the Raiders defense to be able to try and slow down the Chargers offense as much. I'm going to take the Chargers in this one. Then we got Kansas City Chiefs, Arizona Cardinals, high-powered offenses. But we're going to see what they look like without their top wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins suspended for the first six games of the season. Tyreek Hill traded. For the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I think the Chiefs, even with this Tyreek Hill trade, I think they're being overlooked a little bit. They're going to have a tough schedule, a number one schedule, as they won their division last year. But this is Patrick Mahomes. Like I said, Patrick Mahomes is going to make these guys better on his team. These Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have a really nice year. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think, is going to have a nice year with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen what he can do with Aaron Rodgers. Now he's got another big-arm quarterback. Sky Moore is an exciting rookie for them. Then they've got a trio of backs that they're going to be rolling out with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jarek McKinnon, and a rookie that they're very excited about in Isaiah Pacheco. So I think everybody is too concerned. A lot of people are too concerned about the Chiefs because Tyreek Hill is now gone. Patrick Mahomes is the one that is is going to make this offense go, always has. It's not Tyreek Hill that is saving the Chiefs' offense. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes. 
Oh, my gosh. And, of course, they still have Travis Kelsey. I can't believe I almost forgot to mention him. So Travis Kelsey is going to be the leading receiver, and then you're going to have guys like Juju, MVS, Sky Moore, these guys picking up the pieces, Nicole Hardman, another speedster. This Chiefs team is going to be It's in a similar position as the Green Bay Packers without Devontae Adams. It's the quarterbacks that make the receivers better, right? They have to raise the level of the receivers around them. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it took three years for Devontae Adams to finally be the number one wide receiver in Green Bay. And now it, and then it took another two years for him to be the best wide receiver in the NFL. It took him five, six years. And that was, and it's Aaron Rodgers is the reason that helped that. Now Devontae Adams is, is, of course, special as well. But it took a while for Devontae Adams to get there. Same with Patrick Mahomes. He will make these other guys very good. I think the Chiefs are being a little bit overlooked in that aspect. And then on the other side for the Cardinals, what to expect from Kyler Murray now that he's got his money and he's ready to go? I think Kyler Murray, I think he's going to have a very, very good season. The Cardinals always start out hot. Kyler Murray always starts out hot. I think now they're going to continue it into a complete full season as well. Kyler Murray heard a lot of trash talk, and his name was in it this past offseason, either when it's a new video game comes out, whether it was the contract clause that he needs to study a minimum amount of hours. I think he obviously heard all of that. I hope and I think he's going to turn that into a big season this year. Week one, though, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are going to have a much faster defense. I think the Chiefs are going to be ready on offense. Cardinals are going to be missing DeAndre Hopkins week one. They do have Marquise Brown. But, I, th- I mean, even Zach Ertz might be a little bit injured for the Cardinals week one. I like the Chiefs in this week one matchup against the Cardinals, but I think the Cardinals are going to have a very good season, and Kyler Murray is going to have a very, very good year this year. It's going to be a full season, too, I'm expecting out of them, not just a beginning six, seven-game stretch. If you remember last year, they were the last undefeated team. They started 7-0. and Now hopefully they can carry that into the second half of the season as well. Another big one, Cleveland Browns, Carolina Panthers. We talked about this one near the top. Like I said, this we talked about Trey Lance being under a microscope. This week one game for Baker Mayfield is going to be in the brightest of spotlights. He's been in the big games in college. He's been in a playoff game in the NFL as well. I don't think one is going to be bigger than this in terms of how it's going to be scrutinized, whether he wins or loses, whether how he plays in the Panthers lose, or if they win, if the Cleveland Browns made the right choice, if the Cleveland Browns are going to regret it, if they're just going to regret how they handled the whole situation. This is going to be a huge, very bright spotlight on Baker Mayfield. I think he'll be able to step up. I have the Panthers winning in this one. But boy, Miles Garrett, if he gets there a couple times, that's going to be really fun to watch. This is the game that I'll be producing in the morning on Sunday. The night game or the afternoon game that I'll be producing is Chargers Raiders, but this is the one that I'll be producing one of the early slate games. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch for Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. I'm hoping Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy as well to help Baker Mayfield out. But I think Baker Mayfield is going to have a very good week one. He usually shines and does very well when this spotlight is this bright on him, and I think he'll do it again in this one. I got the Panthers winning over the Browns. We got the Packers and the Vikings as well, another afternoon game. Two brand-new offenses, I think, 
Kevin O'Connell in as head coach for the Vikings, about to unleash Justin Jefferson, similar to what they did with Cooper Cup last year. Of course, he won't have the same caliber quarterback, but Justin Jefferson's been putting up monster numbers even with Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, they're going to have a new look offense post-Devontae Adams. I think it's going to be a lot of the A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones show. These two teams are going to be competing at the top of the NFC North all year. I'm very excited to see how the Packers' offense works. Packers defense should be a top five unit where I don't know I don't I'm not expecting too much out of the Vikings defense which is why I have the Packers winning this matchup I think Justin Jefferson is still going to have a big day I don't know if the Packers are going to have Jair Alexander shadow him or what their plan is for Justin Jefferson but Justin Jefferson is about to have a monster season with Kevin O'Connell as his head coach the only limitation for the Vikings on offense is of course Kirk Cousins they've got these incredible weapons with Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Delvin Cook, probably a top five running back as well. Their offensive line is still (laughs) shaky, still one of those units that's shaky. They're going to have a young secondary on their defensive side. They drafted two safeties, I believe, at the end of the first round and then early in the second round. So it's going to be a young secondary, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be spreading the ball, but he's going to be leaning on A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones then the Packers defense will, will close this one out for him. That's why I like the Packers in this game week one. And then finally, our last big game that we'll talk about, Denver Broncos at the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson returning to Seattle week one after spending the first 10 years there. What kind of emotions are we going to see from both sides? I expect the Seattle fans to give him nothing but applause, no booze. It was just time. I think, you know, sometimes Russell, sometimes these things just end. Russell Wilson... Pete Carroll, it was just time for one of those things to end. But I think Russell Wilson will probably have a lot of emotions in this game. I mean, it's a mismatch of a game in terms of talent that we'll see from Seattle and the Denver Broncos. But what do we need to see from Russell Wilson and his new head coach and this new team, first-year head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, to show that this team is ready to compete in not only the toughest division in football in the AFC West, but... I mean, the, just make a run for the playoffs in the AFC. I mean, we need to see some chemistry, hopefully, between the wide receivers and Russell Wilson. If they have any sort of a running game with Javante Williams, what he's going to be able to do in year two. Is Melvin Gordon a part of that situation? And then what this defense brings. All the focus has been on the offensive side with Russell Wilson. What can Bradley Chubb, Patrick Sertan, uh, who did they bring over? Was it Randy Gregory that they brought over from the Cowboys? Or am I missing who that was? I feel like it was someone else. But either way, this defensive side of the ball for the Broncos has not been talked about. We're going to be able to see what they got. I mean, Seattle's just going to ground and pound all season long. They're going to run the ball a lot. So we might not get a clear picture of what this defense is capable of in Denver week one. But we need to see something on the offensive side to show that they're ready to compete in this AFC and in the AFC West. I've got the Broncos winning. It's a big mismatch in terms of talent. But this will still be interesting to see what we're going to get from the Denver Broncos. All right, those are some of the big games. I mean, ton of Week 1 matchups. How many did we just name there? Let's go back and count. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. At least seven huge games in Week 1. I can't wait. Tomorrow, Thursday, is when it all starts. Let's go ahead now. I mean, since we are only just one day away, let's predict the division winners and the playoff seeding. 
my predictions. These are my thoughts on what I think the division winners in the playoff seating will be for this 2022 NFL season. We'll start in the AFC with the division winners. I think the AFC North is going to go to the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to go worst to first. There's always one team every year in the NFL that goes from worst in their division to first. And this one seems like an easy pick to have the Ravens go from worst to first. Remember, they're going to have an easier schedule. I mean, they start week one against the Jets. They're going to be t- playing teams like the Jets. They're going to, I think they're going to be playing the Texans. And then who's, who's the other team that they're going to be playing? AFC West. Well, and then they're also going to be playing the Broncos. So, I mean, that's not an easy one, but they'll be playing a last-place schedule. So I like the Ravens to go from worst to first in their division. Bengals are going to have a much tougher schedule than they did a year ago. So that's why I like the Ravens to win the AFC North. Lamar Jackson is going to have a monster year, I think. He's going to come back healthy. He looks bigger, and he's going to be motivated due to that contract as well. I, I like the Ravens in the AFC North. AFC South, got the Indianapolis Colts. Little bit of a regression for the Titans. Very good team still, the Titans, but the Colts improve big time at quarterback with Matt Ryan to help close out the season and make the playoffs. Jonathan Taylor going to have another monster year. And Michael Pittman, I think as well, is going to have a breakout year for the wide receiver spot for the Indianapolis Colts. And of course, they still have a top defensive unit. So I like the AFC South to go to the Colts. AFC East, this one's pretty simple. With the Buffalo Bills, I don't think the, the Dolphins are ready to compete with the Bills yet. I don't like the, the New England Patriots team at all this year. And then, of course, the Jets are still the Jets. They're going to struggle all season as well. And then in the AFC West, I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers to win the division. That doesn't mean that I think the Chiefs are going to have a bad year or anything like that. I just think the Chargers are going to be motivated. They have a very talented roster, and they're going to have a little bit of an easier schedule than the Chiefs. And it's just going to be a bloodbath in that AFC West when these teams always face off. So I like the Chargers to come out on top in the regular season. Just remember, this is regular season predictions on who wins their division. This has nothing to do with the playoffs to start, but I like the Chargers to win the AFC West. Let's go to the NFC. NFC North, going with the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt LaFleur. They're going to have a top five defense, I think, and I hope. It's a little bit of bias as a Packers fan, but I hope they have a top five defense. I'm incredibly excited to watch that defense, but I think they will have a top five defense, the Packers. A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, like I said, monster years. And Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. This is the two-time reigning MVP. He will spread the ball around, and that might make this offense even scarier if he trusts these receivers and these receivers deliver for him, which I expect they will. But when he spreads the ball, I mean, the, the stat for the Packers is they're 7-0 and without Devontae Adams. doesn't mean they're a better team. It just means this offense is something that teams obviously just can't Oh, hey, let's let's pinpoint Devontae Adams and double-team him. Even when you double-team him, yeah, he can get open, but now they don't know where this ball is going to go. Aaron Rodgers is obviously one of the best quarterbacks. He can look left and right, go through his reads. He's got Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. I like this Packers team in the NFC North still. NFC South, I got the Buccaneers in this one as well. Another relatively easy pick. I mean, the Saints are, are always a really good defensive team. It's just depending on what Jameis Winston is going to give you. Is he going to give you 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, Jameis Winston? Or is he going to be a little more conservative? He doesn't have Sean Payton to lead him as head coach anymore. It's Dennis Allen, who's more defensive-minded. He was their defensive coordinator last year. Now he's their head coach. I still think they'll have a top defense, but I don't think 
their offense and, and the Buccaneers as a complete team. I don't think they'll be able to compete with the Bucs. And then the Panthers as well, obviously just not there yet. And the Falcons are still a rebuilding team with Marcus Mariota as the starting quarterback. NFC East, I like the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a really good team. They, of course, added A.J. Brown. They also just added Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a starting corner late in the offseason here. In the preseason weeks, they added another defense. So this is going to be a good defensive unit as well. Jordan Davis, a guy that they drafted. They got Darius Slay, a corner back there. They've got a really good linebacking group as well. They added Hassan Reddick, a pass-rushing specialist. This is going to be a very good defensive group in the Eagles. And like I said, their offense should be improved. This is a running offense. But now they have the passing capability. They have the weapons in the passing game as well with A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, guys like that. So I like the East to be the Eagles. I think the Cowboys, they lost too many pieces this offseason, and then Tyrone Smith injury is, is just huge. That's just a huge loss for the Dallas Cowboys. That's why I've got the Eagles in the East. And then in the NFC West, I have the Arizona Cardinals, not the Los Angeles Rams, not the San Francisco 49ers. I have the Arizona Cardinals. If you look at the Los Angeles Rams schedule, it is brutal. It is. I think it's, it's by far the toughest schedule in the NFL. It's just brutal. And just because I have the Cardinals winning that division, the NFC West, doesn't mean I think they're better than the Los Angeles Rams. I think the Los Angeles Rams could finish 10-7 and seven or 11-6 and six and still be one of the best teams in the NFL. It's just that schedule is absolutely a monster. It's just so tough. Go look at that thing. There are at minimum 10 amazing games against great teams. I think great teams this year. It's just such a tough schedule. That's why I think the Cardinals will be able to win that division. Like I said, I mentioned it when we were talking Chiefs-Cardinals week one. I think Carly Murray is going to have a big year. He got paid. He heard all the offseason noise. I think he's he's ready to respond to that on the field. That's why I like the Cardinals in the NFC West. That's just my personal thought. Those are my division winners. Let's look at the playoff picture. AFC, one seed, I've got the Ravens. Like I said, Lamar Jackson going to have a huge year. Buffalo Bills, number two, just all around. I mean, right now they're the favorites for the Super Bowl, and there's a reason. It's because they have one of the top-to-bottom best rosters in the NFL. i got the Indianapolis Colts as the three seed, and then I've got the Chargers as the four seed. And that, because, I, like I told you, that is an incredibly tough division, the AFC West, and I think they're just going to beat each other up. So one team might finish 11-6, and six, win their division, and it'll just, or 10-7 and seven even, win their division by a tiebreaker. I could see the Chargers and Chiefs both going 10-7, and seven, one of them winning it by a tiebreaker, and that's who your four seed is out of the AFC West. And you still have three AFC West teams making the playoffs. I have the Chiefs as the five seed. They're going to be making the playoffs. The Bengals as the six seed. I think they will still make the playoffs with an improved offensive line. Haven't talked about them at all this episode. But they have an improved offensive line. They got hot at the right time last year to make it to the Super Bowl, but I, they're going to have a very they're going to have a tough schedule still. But I like the Bengals to still make the playoffs. And then I'm also taking Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Russell Wilson is a winner. I think he's ready coming into this season. Might take a couple of weeks for the offense to get off the ground with new head coach Nathaniel Hackett. Russell Wilson getting together with his wide receivers, his his weapons on offense for them all to start gelling. But I like the Broncos as the seven seed. Teams that are just missing out, the Raiders. 
I don't think make the playoffs this year. They'll be on the outside looking in, maybe that eight spot. It's just because of that AFC West. It's so tough of a division. The Tennessee Titans, I think, will miss out this year as well, just barely. And then the Miami Dolphins, Jaguars. Yeah, Jaguars, I think, are going to be much improved with Doug Peterson and hopefully a second-year jump from Trevor Lawrence. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those are the teams that are going to be right on the cusp of making the playoffs in the last two weeks of the season. They'll be right there up until the very end because that AFC West is going to be beating each other up. I could see like the Chargers going 11-6, and six, winning their division, and the Chiefs and Broncos just making it as 10-7 and seven teams. But that AFC is absolutely stacked. But those are the teams that I have in the playoff picture for the AFC. NFC side, a little bit different. Packers, number one seed once again out of the NFC North. Then I have the Eagles as the number two seed. I, I really like the Eagles going into this year. I think it's a very talented roster. And then, of course, in that very weak NFC East division, I like the Eagles. This is a big year for Jalen Hurts. If he can't get it done this year, they're going to look to move on because this roster is is very, very good. And, it, and if they don't win it and it's because Jalen Hurts, then it's time for him to go because they've got the draft capital next year to move up and get a quarterback if they want a Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. If they want a guy like that, the Eagles have the ammo to go get one of those guys in the NFL draft. So this is a big year for Jalen Hurts, and I am expecting them to have a very good year because of how good this roster is. Three seed, I've got the Buccaneers. Four seed, I've got the Cardinals. Those are your division winners. And then five seed, I've got the Rams. Six seed, I actually have the Vikings. And that all depends on how Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins has obviously helped them make the playoffs. We'll see if they can do anything once they make the playoffs. But I got the Vikings as a six seed. And then at the seven seed right now, I have been going back and forth between the Saints and 49ers. But for some reason, I am just not as sold on Trey Lance yet. So I have gone with the Saints in the playoffs instead of the San Francisco 49ers. I have not seen enough personally from Trey Lance. It's a very good roster, but we'll see what Trey Lance is made of, and we'll see if he can get these 49ers back to the playoffs. The NFC West is another very strong. The AFC West and NFC West, two best divisions in football, but we'll see. I have the Saints as my seventh seed in the NFC playoff picture. The Saints also have a really good roster, which is why I like them in the playoffs here. Teams... Excuse me, teams just missing out. 49ers, like I said, they're going to be right there. I would not be surprised at all if they're back in the playoffs, but I'm just, me personally, I'm not sold on Trey Lance yet. So I have them just on the outside looking in. Dallas Cowboys, and, and I have a lot of, I think the Cowboys are maybe like an 8-9, and 9-8 nine, nine and eight team, which I don't know if that makes the playoffs, but it, it's just a lot of losses on this offense, and we'll see what they can do. The Carolina Panthers, I think, will be in the mix down the stretch, maybe three weeks out, two, three weeks out. And the Detroit Lions, I think, are going to be a much improved team as well, a team that won't be eliminated from the playoffs like week 12. You know, it'll, it'll be week 15, 16 when they still have some hope, and we'll see. But those are my teams that I have in the playoffs. AFC playoff picture real quick. Ravens, Bills, Colts, Chargers, and then Chiefs, Bengals, Broncos. And then in the NFC, Packers, Eagles, Buccaneers, Cardinals, Rams, Vikings, Saints. All right. Season awards and Super Bowl potential matchups. I I tried to narrow it down to my top three for each, but wow. So I'll I'll try to do that here. But we'll start with we'll start with the the, the cream of the crop. 
of awards, and that's the most valuable player. We'll start with the MVP. My top three are Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and then Justin Herbert. I mean, it's it's pretty easy. I think Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen is the betting favorite. I think Lamar is is top three, and then Justin Herbert's definitely top five. Some guys definitely being overlooked, Mahomes and Rodgers, just because they lost their number one wide receiver. If Mahomes has a 13-4 and four season, 5,000 yards without Tyreek Hill, boom, MVP, no question. Same thing with Rodgers. If he has a 13-4, and 14-3 four, and three season, number one seed in the NFC, 4,500 yards, close to 40 touchdowns, give it to Rodgers or Mahomes, no question. Best quarterback in the league right there, Rodgers and Mahomes, I think. And Brady is a right there third. But Josh Allen with his rushing component, with a very talented roster, could be the number one seed in the AFC. Same thing with Lamar Jackson. That's why I have them one and two. And then Justin Herbert, this guy is uber talented and is just has a really good roster. Whoever I think it's <laughs> really whoever gets the number one seed in the AFC, that would be the Bills, the Ravens, the Chargers, or the Chiefs. Whoever gets that that their quarterback is going to win the MVP, in my opinion. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's of course, going to be a quarterback. But, wow, it's going to be a lot of fun. The quarterbacks in this league is just, you can name 15 great quarterbacks. It's so much, so much fun to watch this NFL league right now. And it's because of these quarterbacks. But there it is. It's Lamar, Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert right now at the top of that. Jalen Hurts is another guy to keep an eye on as well with a very talented Eagles roster. Offensive player of the year, Justin Jefferson, for me, by far and away, will probably be my favorite for offensive player of the year. CeeDee Lamb is a guy for the Cowboys. The only reason that he might be uh, struggling is because of the Cowboys just having a poor regular season record. And then Devontae Adams for the Raiders. If he puts up similar numbers to what he's been doing in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, if he does that without Aaron Rodgers now, you'll see, oh, this guy is the number one wide receiver in the NFL and he'll be Offensive Player of the Year. But I think wide receiver is the direction. I think, was it? No, Cooper Cup won it last year, I think. I mean, Jonathan Taylor could be in the mix. Derrick Henry could be in the mix. But it's a wide receiver. It's a passing league, and it's hard to – I mean, if Justin Jefferson goes nuclear in this new Vikings offense, he will win Offensive Player of the Year. Then Defensive Player of the Year, I like Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and then Rashawn Gary for the Packers, I think is going to have – 15-plus sacks this season. And with a top five, top three defense, Rashawn Gary will get some looks at Defensive Player of the Year. Miles Garrett told Willie McGinnis that he's going for 24 sacks this season. And if someone sets the sack record, they will most likely, for that reason, history purposes, get the Defensive Player of the Year. So I like Miles Garrett as a favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. Micah Parsons, I mean, got Defensive Player of the Year votes as a rookie last year. Who He's going to be all over the field for the for the. Dallas Cowboys, he might get more pass rushing opportunities, and he had double-digit sacks last year as a rookie. So Micah Parsons, and then I really, I think Rashawn Gary has been overlooked as a top defensive player in the NFL. I think that narrative changes after the season. And then, of course, Aaron Donald will probably be top three, top five in the voting as well. But that is my defensive player of the year. Look, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, Rashawn Gary. I like it a lot. Offensive Rookie of the Year, George Pickens, rookie wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Damian Pierce, 
rookie running back for the Houston Texans will be the starting running back week one as well. And then Chris Olave, the rookie wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. We're not sure what we'll see out of Michael Thomas yet. He's been, I think he had a little bit of a setback and an injury in the preseason offseason here as we get near the first week of the NFL season. But George Pickens has been turning heads in the preseason in practice. I mean, he could be the number one, number two guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers very quickly with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens as 1A and 1B. So that'll be a lot of fun. But those are the three offensive rookie of the years that I have. And then defensive rookie of the year, Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions. He's just going to have all the hype, and he's going to have a lot of opportunities to rack up sacks for the Lions. George Karloftis for the Kansas City Chiefs, first-round defensive end as well. And then Ahmad Sauce Gardner, the cornerback for the Jets. He's going to have the opportunities. He's going to be going up against a lot of number one guys, and we'll see if he steps up to the challenge there for Sauce Gardner. But those are your defensive rookie of the year picks. Comeback player of the year, I think will be Derrick Henry. I think he's going to have close to 2,000 yards. Again, he was well on his way to close to being at 2,000 yards last season before the foot injury. I don't think the injury is too much of a concern. It wasn't like soft tissue or anything. It was kind of almost a freak injury in his foot, and he returned at the end of last season for the playoff game as well. So I like Derrick Henry. I like also Saquon Barkley, if he can stay healthy. Jameis Winston is a guy. But also Jair Alexander, can we get some defensive love? for a guy that, that that can win comeback player of the year. If Jair Alexander, I mean, he's going to be facing guys like Justin Jefferson. He's going to be facing guys like Cooper Cup this season. If he can shut these guys down, hold them to respectable numbers, not outlandish numbers that these guys are going to be putting up week to week, Jair Alexander, I think, should get consideration for comeback player of the year. Someone on the defensive side as well. Let's get some love for the defense for this comeback player of the year award. Coach of the year. Matt LaFleur, absolutely. If they win 12-plus games, it's, it's got to go to him. He is the winningest coach in, his, in any coach's first three seasons of their career. Yes, it helps having Aaron Rodgers, but now they're going to be down Devontae Adams. So this is going to be an offense that Matt LaFleur has to dial up in terms of spreading the ball around, using A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones. If they have an improved special teams, help a lot of that is because Matt LaFleur is like, this needs to be a priority. He's like, I need to get Rich Basaccia in here as well. Matt LaFleur, if they win 12-plus games, should be the coach of the year. Sean McDermott is another guy as well. Andy Reid, same thing because of the Tyreek Hill trade. A lot of people are just overvaluing, overvaluing excuse me, these wide receiver trades as if it's going to be detrimental to their teams with Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. I think Andy Reid and Matt LaFleur will show that these teams will maybe not be as explosive, but they will be just fine in my opinion. Uh, Doug Peterson, I think, will get a lot of consideration if he turns it around in Jacksonville year one after the just horrendous year that it was with Urban Meyer and the forgettable year it was last year for Trevor Lawrence and that team. I think Doug Peterson will get a lot of recognition for that. And then John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin are two of, of the top coaches in this league that should always be in consideration as well. Possible top Super Bowl matchups. This one, it's easy for me. It's either Packers-Rams on the NFC side, and then it's either Packers versus Bills, Chiefs, Chargers, or Ravens. I mean, you can pick a handful of teams in the AFC, and it doesn't matter. It'll be very exciting with the young, up-and-coming quarterbacks. Uh, they're Not even up-and-coming. They're here. The young, superstar quarterbacks 
with the Bills and Josh Allen. Josh Allen versus Aaron Rodgers. Oh, how about Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers? Ah, not just kidding. Let's do Justin Herbert versus Aaron Rodgers. Or maybe Lamar Jackson versus Aaron Rodgers. Then for the Rams, it's Matthew Stafford versus Patrick Mahomes. Oh, you want to do a rematch? Let's do Matthew Stafford versus the Bengals. I mean, we already saw the fire in in the preseason and in the joint practices. That would be an insane rematch of a Super Bowl. How about the Super Bowl favorite Bills for some reason versus the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams? Though, I mean, it's Packers-Rams on the NFC. No offense, I don't want to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl anymore. I'm done. I respect the hell out of Tom Brady, but man, I am done (laughs) with Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I want to see Aaron Rodgers. I want to see Matthew Stafford in the Super Bowl. And then on the AFC, like I said, it's just pick them. Josh Allen, I want to see in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'd love to see Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl again. I want to see Justin Herbert on the biggest stage. I want to see Lamar Jackson on the biggest stage. I want to see Joe Burrow back up there again. It's in the AFC. It's it's you pick them, but those are the top Super Bowl matchups. Packers, Rams on the NFC side. And then you got Bills, Chiefs, Chargers, Ravens, Bengals on the AFC side. Those are any one of those teams from the AFC I'd be very happy to see in the Super Bowl. All right, final thought then. I know we're over an hour, but I told you this was going to be a long one about all the NFL, but we've gotten through it. We've talked season awards and potential Super Bowl matchups. We've talked playoff seeding and division winners. We've talked big week one matchups. And we have even talked about quarterback battles and who's ready to go for week one. But now we are finally to our final thought on this podcast episode. And this one, unfortunately, we do have to mention it. Deshaun Watson's suspension. Remember I said that the NFL could basically take the suspension into their own hands and read and just make a sub- sub- suspension for themselves. They did that. Roger Goodell passed it off to one of his guys that he trusts to make a new suspension, and I'm very disappointed that it's only 11 games. I mean, are you kidding me? Calvin Ridley, I've, I swear I've mentioned this before. Calvin Ridley suspended a whole season for sports gambling, and he was betting on his own team to win. I understand that's, that, that it's very bad in terms of it could compromise the integrity of the game. No question, shouldn't be allowed, but he was betting on his own team, got suspended a whole season. Deshaun Watson, 11 games. The numerous suspensions for marijuana, including an indefinite indefinite suspension at one point for Josh Gordon. Deshaun Watson, only 11 games. DeAndre Hopkins, six games for PEDs, I understand, but it was one, he didn't even know that he took it, allegedly, of course, maybe he did. Coming off of an injury, it's very possible. A lot of, it happens a lot of times for players. DeAndre Hopkins, PEDs, six games suspension. Deshaun Watson, only 11. Tom Brady, four games for deflating football slightly. This one is, to me, not even a big deal. I can't believe he was suspended four games for that. They still just beat the brakes off the Indianapolis Colts, and that one didn't matter if the balls were flat or if they were over-pumped. doesn't matter. Four games for Tom Brady for deflating footballs. Deshaun Watson, 11 games. Are you kidding me? And it's not that it's just 11 games. That's way too little. I thought it should have been at least 16. But it's the timing of this suspension as well that's very disappointing. I mean, 11 games, you're like, wow, that's an interesting number. Where did they come up with that? Oh, here you go. The Cleveland Browns have a bye week in week 12, so Deshaun Watson can return to the team and practice for a bye week, get ready, get a whole week of preparation in, 
for their Week 13 matchup. Well, who, I guess let's take a look at who their Week 13 matchup is. Oh, it's the Houston Texans, his former team. Well, thank goodness that the NFL ratings won't take a hit. They'll be very good for when he returns to action. Give me a break. That is unbelievable. He got 11 games so that he would get a week to prepare, and then he would get to face his former team. Thankfully, that one will be on TV. We'll get to see Deshaun Watson versus his former team. It was incredibly disappointing. I thought the NFL had a chance when they took this suspension. It was originally six games. They're like, nope. We're challenging that. We're going to do this ourselves. We're going to give him a longer suspension. In 11 games, they almost made a joke out of it by saying, yeah, you know what? At least he can return and face his former team. It'll be really good TV ratings. That was that was very disappointing when that news came out. The end, Like I mentioned, the MLB before, they gave two seasons, 324 games to one of their top pitchers. This is there's been almost 30 women in these cases for Deshaun Watson. That was one woman, one woman. That that the, and the numbers don't matter. That should not be just because it just because it was one woman doesn't mean Trevor Bauer of the MLB deserved less time. And because it was almost 30 women for Deshaun Watson, I mean, but just the statement that the NFL it, it's still both it's horrible on both sides for Trevor Bauer, Deshaun Watson, but. NFL, I thought, had a good opportunity here to get out and set a precedent for that they, they will no longer tolerate this kind of stuff, and they almost made a joke of it, that he'll be able to return and face his former team. Thank goodness the TV ratings are saved. I was very disappointed in hearing that. So we won't see him for the first 11 weeks of the season. All right, let's move past the Deshaun Watson thing, unfortunately. And let's get to the final, final thought. Let's end on a high note here on this podcast episode. Final, final thought on this episode of the final, final podcast. I will make my Super Bowl pick. I'm not going to give you a reason. I'm just going to make it. I think it's, it is going to be Packers over the Bills. I have a lot of questions with the Rams in terms of, one, a team has never repeated as a Super Bowl champion since 2003-2004. I am right now concerned about Matthew Stafford's elbow. I said I wasn't going to give you a reason. I'm going to give you reasons anyways. I said I, I said I was a little concerned about Matthew Stafford's elbow. I know he's not, but I don't know if that means it's an all-season. Yeah, I'm ready to go for all-season. Or if it's just, yeah, week one, I can throw it 50 times if I need to. I mean, if this thing flares up, then the Rams could be in trouble for the season. So, And, and, and with the fact that no team has repeated since 2003-2004. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, I don't think wants to be in Tampa, especially with the offensive line problems that they have. I think that's what his little retirement was this offseason is that he didn't want to be in Tampa Bay anymore in that whole Miami Dolphins fiasco. So I don't like, I mean, Tom Brady, I will not, it's hard to bet against him in the playoffs, but I like the Packers this year. I think Aaron Rodgers is very motivated and ready to go, especially with Devontae Adams gone. He's ready to show, hey, I'm still Aaron Rodgers and I need to get back to the Super Bowl. And I think the Packers will have the defense to get them there. And then the Bills. I think with the Von Miller is a big, big addition to this team. And I think he can help this defense close out the games. Josh Allen can go toe-to-toe. But I like the Packers over the Bills in the Super Bowl. That's my Super Bowl pick. I mean, if you're surprised that it's the Packers or if you're thinking it's a homer pick, that's fine because that's what sports is all about. It's all about fun 
fandom fanatics, and I like the Packers over the Bills. All right, next episode, hopefully this Saturday. I got to get another one in right away because I am behind on a lot of other stuff as I had this big busy, excuse me, as I had a very busy August, and now I need to catch up on everything that happened in August. We have college football back. New 12-team playoff format format coming in 2026, possibly 2024. I love it. Let's talk about it. We're going to do that on Saturday. Big NBA news, Kevin Durant staying put. Donovan Mitchell being traded not to the New York Knicks. We'll talk about it. Serena Williams tribute as she exits the U.S. Open, possibly as her last major tournament. We're going to talk about that as well because that is the GOAT right there in Serena Williams. And a lot more, of course, fantasy football, maybe. We'll only have one NFL game in the books by Saturday. Maybe we talk about who I drafted. Some of the guys that I really liked in fantasy football this year. We'll talk about it next episode. I'm very excited for that one as well. All right. Thanks for sticking with me on this one. Holy smokes. Over an hour and 15. I'm glad you're able to get to the end here. Thanks for tuning in. I always appreciate it. Stay safe out there as always. And remember... You are listening to The Final Final.